In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go up and down the Sixers roster, making our best guesses over whether each player from last year's team will return for next year. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing fine. I don't really have anything else for you. No, on that. no, no, no great intro. It is weird. No, we, we no tip- reason, no reason for it. Honestly, just, yeah. just doing okay. Yeah. You know, that's good. That's good. There yeah. could could be worse. Uh, it is a little weird. We usually see each other multiple times a week, talk to each other on podcast twice a week. Now we're talking once a week and not seeing each other at all. So I have not seen you. So maybe there could have been something that would have happened here in the last week. Apparently, you live a boring life, which is great. I live one too. But I guess today, you know, last week we sort of talked about an article that we were both working on in the James Harden contract stuff, which a lot of stuff. I guess this week we will talk about an article that you have already written, which every year you do a stay or go article, uh, listing out all the people on the roster and trying to predict what is going to happen to their Sixers fate. And I think the last two years, last two years, we have done this together because we both wrote for the Athletic Philly. And I think we were pretty on the nose on most of them, weren't we? I feel like we had a, in terms of predicting what would happen Certainly, I think we're in the A or B range. Yeah, and as we've as we've gone along here, I feel like we uh, we do a good job of covering our tracks a little bit when it's a a dicier one. But yeah, I mean, I think two years ago we got that Horford and Jay Rich were the ones that were leaving. Uh, last season, I think we were we were wrong because we went with Ben leaving in the off season. Whatever. He never they, played a game for him. I'm counting that. I'm counting they, that. They tried. Uh, so yeah, for, for the most part, it's been it's been pretty good. And I think, um, you know, for this year where there's no, I don't know, the, with Ben, Jay Rich, and Al, those were the obvious leave guys. And yeah. I feel like this year it's a little less clear cut, not just because of um, performance, but there's also contract and tradability and what the Sixers can even attach to their. Uh, to their moves. I actually think there is an obvious move, but the question is, can they get it done? So I guess we will get to that when we get there. How would you like to start from the obvious days to the, like, we don't need to talk about Joel Embiid, right? We, we don't need to talk about that one. We can, we can skip him. I think we can probably both agree that we can skip Harden for the most part. I we think talked we, about him for 40 minutes. We did week. talk about him for 40 minutes last week. I think we're both in, in agreement that it is a, very high, almost guaranteed chance he will be back. The question is under what terms. Uh, and I wrote like 5,000 articles on those, or 5,000 words on those terms. And we did a 40-minute podcast. So we don't really need to get too deep into him. I guess we'll probably just start it off with the most controversial or debated one. I don't even really think it's controversial. I think it's just people don't know whether or not they'll be able to do it. We'll start this off with Tobias Harris. Yeah, and that's the one that I think is the obvious move. Um but can they get it done? Because with Jay Rich and Horford, I mean, with Horford, they attached a pick. Yeah. And wait, by the way, I am so sick of Al Horford's family. By the way. That's <laughs> just as a quick aside. He, you know, the fact that he was so bad here and it was a bad fit, but he was pretty bad here. And the fact that he has now gone back to Boston and is like in a huge part of 
this finals team. But now I got to hear about his family. And, and yeah. it's just from his sister still complaining about the Philly fans who rightfully said that he was bad here. He was bad. To say they still cheer for Boston. And then, and then, then I saw a tweet the other day. Like His mom was like, it's all right. We're going to be fine after they lost game four of the finals, which is just, which is perfect. The, the Horfords, they're more annoying than the Curry family. And the Currys have like a reason to be annoying. They're like completely accomplished, all of them. And I don't know. Al Horford, it's just him and his family. And I know his dad played basketball, too. I don't know. They, they're pretty annoying. Anyway, they attached... Two years ago, the Sixers attached a first-round pick to that guy and his annoying family to get him out of there. A very lightly protected first-round pick <laughs> yeah. for Oklahoma City. They don't have that anymore. And a, a pick that is it could come into play here as they look to try to make some of these deals, whether that is getting a, a good Tobias trade. Um, they, outside of this one draft pick that they can select a player and then trade him after the pick, they don't have anything to trade until like 2029. Uh, so that pick right smack dab in the middle, what is that, the 2025 pick? that they traded for, uh, yep. that they attached to Horford. You know, that that comes into play when you're talking about flexibility and staying on, or um, abiding by the Stepien rule and being able to trade draft picks. Um, they are a very inflexible team right now, uh, and that will certainly uh, certainly cost them. N- not only did you not get value for that 20, was it four years, 109, something like in that range. Not only did you not get value in that uh, free agency, in, in that chance to spend your money, but you also had to pay a pick to get rid of it. It was definitely, and, and like you said, he was, bad here and it was a bad fit but he was but he was bad, he was bad. I, he's look he plays with two bigs with boston and, and he just looks completely rejuvenated it's it's ridiculous for the guy who's supposed to be mr winning and mr championship bonus and by the way they're two games away from the freaking championship bonus yeah. activating i mean they're gonna keep him anyway because he played well and i think he already has hit some of those incentives by even just making the finals unbelievable like this the sixers I can't even describe. It's unbelievable that that move is not the Celtics sticking it to the Sixers more than than any move they've made in the last six years. Unfortunately, Jason Tatum and Markel Fultz happened as well. So it has to come in second for that reason. <laughs> unbelievable. It's really hard to overcome that when you're just getting completely killed. And this one is even dumber, though. This is just a guy. Oh, he was bad here. Um, that's good. We got, we got a nice Al Horford uh aside i am i am enjoying steph curry popping threes in his face oh my and God. it's great it I, I do actually feel kind of bad for i don't feel bad for horford but i, I do feel a little bad for the celtics bigs in general and Ime Hidoka because they're like people are like you can't drop against steph curry i'm, I'm thinking like dude they're standing above the three-point line when they're starting like He's just going to make you look like an idiot if you don't yeah. switch onto him and if you switch onto him he's also going to make you look like an idiot because he's gonna go right by, right by you uh so that's not the greatest thing in the world. Um, so going back to Tobias, though, I think uh, I think they are going to try to trade him. Like I, I think it's it's obvious to them that his skill set is a luxury on this team, and this team can't afford luxuries. They're not no. good enough. They don't have the nuts and bolts of this crew yet. But the question is, can you find a taker for him? And in my article, I I ultimately say I. I think it's close, but I think I ultimately settled on no, because I don't think it's going to be feasible. So that. put that in a percentage term, like 40% chance he's moved? I think okay. so. I'll probably go flip that. I'll probably say 40% chance he stays, 60% chance he goes. I would just go on the other side of that 50-50, just because 
you really have to. There's just like this team is so obviously lacking depth and there aren't that many ways to do it. And not only can you trade Tobias for a role player or two, but you can. Then, can you? Can you? Though? Well, no, that's but, my th- I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to trade <laughs> Tobias for a role player or two. But also, if you can do it right, you might be able to shave off five million dollars of space under the apron, which might help you get another role player with that full mid-level. I think Daryl has to. And, you know, for as much as we talked about, uh, there was a lot of talk early in the season about the Sixers star hunting again, which outside of trading Max, I don't really know how that would look, but I guess it's a great topic to talk about. I think Daryl Morey's focus and Daryl Morey's tenure has been defined about chasing the stars and finding creative ways to get the role players. I think his focus has to be to turn Tobias into whether it's through the trade or just creating space under the apron to use a full mid-level has to be to find a way to get two more, at least solid role players. And I don't know how you can do that without trading Tobias. You can't pay him $37 million to be a fourth option uh, with a 15% usage rate when he's sharing the floor with the starters. And I look, when we're talking about creating space, like they're not gonna have cap space. No, but the apron, which again, if you use that, bigger mid-level that apron threshold becomes a hard cap you have to create space under that apron so you can then use that uh that full mid-level i think that would really help them get a, a role player i think they have to pursue it heavily and you're right the reason i give it 60 percent is because that's still two years 77 million left like that's yeah, for, for just, a guy who's grades out to be a slightly above average player like that's hard to move and, and what what do you have you have your first round pick this year it's not a great pick you know it's the 23rd pick in the draft you know it's it's better than the the 28th pick or whatever they had last year, but it's it's still not great. And then you have pick swaps, and then you have your young guys, who I would say the one who had the most value, Matisse Thibel, is probably at the nadir of yep. his value as well after his poor playoffs. Maybe a team that has kind of lower aspirations. I think maybe he could be uh, he could be somebody who, you know. They, they they could take and say, like, look, this guy, if, if we can get him right, we can turn him into a big contributor. But the Sixers, they need to win now, and they need just players who they can trust. Look, I, I, okay, okay, so we're, we're disagreeing a little bit on the, the feasibility of it. I, I just I, I don't know how they get it done. I, I don't see a lot of teams that are in desperate need of Tobias Harris. And, like, how, no. how does that how does that happen? Um, look, I, I, I think Daryl, Morey, and the front office – they should be. They're going to be trying really hard, and they they should. Um, but the, the question is, when does it become? At what point does it become impossible to make that move? And it really, it really is impossible because you're at. If if you get past like the point I mentioned, if that doesn't get it done, or some combination of the role players, it's it's such a hierarchy here where you have all of these role players, you have all of these minor picks, these assets. And then your next asset is Tyrese Maxey, which is like an absolutely fuck no, like yeah. no. So there's just no mid-tier asset here. No, um, there's really not. There's really not. Uh, that's tough. This is this is where Daryl's got to hit a home run. This is why he gets paid eight figures. Like this is he is look as I said last podcast like or two podcast I don't remember sometime this off season. Daryl will always have his eyes and ears open for a star. That's the way he views the league. That's the way he views the sport. He should this off season though you've got to, it's it's got to, you've you've got to get depth. I can't I can't. I can't watch George Yang try to play for 25 minutes in the playoffs again. I can't, I can't do it. Especially with Danny green, which I guess we'll get to next Danny green leaving because he's injured and won't be available until February or whatever. So, so let's talk about the depth in general. If let's take this current roster 
How many players are you trusting in a playoff series right now from this roster? Four? Yeah, so I got the four and a half. I, I said Paul, I, Paul Reed a half? I said I gave him a half. That's yeah. fair. He earned it. He earned it. Um, and I think on this roster, the most charitable I, way I could look at it is I, I might give Shake Milton I was, a five. I was going to say Shake would be my sixth player. Okay. Yep. So it's either four and a half or five and a half. Though. Yeah. That's a problem. They need to get to, I think nine and a half should be the goal, but but eight and a half has to be, that's, you just got to get there some way or another. And look, you have your mid-level, so that's, you're presumably going to get one. You're really screwing up if you don't get that player. So that'll get you another player. Maybe shake hits and that, that works out. Um, and here's your other chance, right? Do you get one or two players with, uh, do you turn Tobias into, you know, two players here? Do you add another one? Um, that's part of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. Quick, quick aside. Did you watch, uh, hustle? I did. I did. I actually went to the, uh, the premiere, um, because I have nothing better to do at this point. Uh, you really do have nothing better to do. Nothing. I drove it. That hour thing was on Netflix way. the next day. No, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I thought um, it d- definitely like worth the time to watch. Obviously, had some, and I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I had some. Like the Ben Foster character was a little like, he was a little all over the place. He was kind of. A, he was. He was kind of an ass for inconsistent reasons the whole he time. He was. And it just that didn't make a ton of sense. Look, was, and, and, and a, a, an owner taking over the team from his father, uh, right on the nose, right on the nose. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a little and bit I mean, of that that was too much on the nose too, especially the ending, which I don't want to spoil too much. But the ending and where the player goes, a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, we might have already talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> uh, sorry, I am spoiling it. Uh, no, I, I thought I thought most of the Sixers did a did a good job. I got a, I got a kick out of Doc's little cameo at the end too. Yep. So the, the one thing I will say, or th- there were two things that I just really liked about it, though. You know, obviously inconsistent. I think the, the NBA Combine was a little bit goofy, like as far well, as they, that they had the whole thing where it's like, well, the Sixers could have had them, but they didn't take them, so now he's in the draft. It's yeah, like, that's not at all how that works. That's not really how that. No. Works. So. That was a little goofy. There, there were two things that I thought were really good about it, though. I thought, in general, in general, the basketball stuff was very good. It was better than than most things. I thought Sandler kind of talked like a scout. He kind of showed what the life of a scout is like. They had their they had their meetings with their front office. Um, you know, Billy King and Steve Urkel yep. were in there. Yep. It's great. So, I, but I thought that was good. And the other element of the basketball part being good, I just thought that I think Haralabob pointed this out on Twitter. And he's absolutely right that they taught the basketball players to be actors instead of the other way around. Yeah. Was really smart. There is Anthony nothing a- that annoys me more than watching a basketball movie and see Leonardo DiCaprio try to play basketball. It just <laughs> drives me up a wall. I can't. What movie? It, basketball Diaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, he's a fantastic actor. One of the one of the goats. Not a fantastic <laughs> basketball player. Can't pull it off. Just can't do it. Teen Wolf. Him, him dunking. Him just tearing the rim down in, in crazy aspects even uh even winning time which is like which is pretty good uh even their basketball scenes are like yeah they, they got some guys that are okay but it's it's not here's the here's the beauty when you get the actual nba players to do it it looks awesome because they're well, especially because everyone outside of Wancho was not like he didn't they didn't need acting range they need to be themselves they yeah. could do that and pull off the basketball I, convincingly 100 so i thought uh i thought ann edwards was awesome yeah he was uh, good you know, and that's what I mean. Like the NBA, they have these charismatic figures where, yeah, you basically just have to be yourself. You just tell Anthony Edwards, 
hey, you're going to be yourself. You can be a little bit more of a dick than you. Yeah, talk, but that's talk okay. trash like you're an AAU. Yeah. Like, you, you can figure it yeah. out. Yep. Uh, so that was good. And then the other part was all the Philly sites were pretty crazy. It felt like they filmed at every South Philly playground imaginable. It was yep. wild. Uh, I didn't even realize that, that they filmed at some of these places from uh, pr- pretty close to where I live. Uh, so that was cool. All the gyms and all those things, too. So, yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely go see that. Go see and by go see it you mean go down to your couch and watch because it it's not in movie theaters. Go see it, yeah. yeah, just just turn around, hit Netflix, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's on there. Uh, so that yeah, being said, that, they, I mean, they didn't that, ask either of note. us to be a cameo, so one one star out of five. Yeah, I mean they had their reporters. I, although the, the cuz was like the voice of the Philadelphia media in it, so I you know what can't blame them for that. Honestly. Uh, the uh, oh, I can one out of five, one star. <laughs> Okay, so would that be a high note for Tobias to go out on as a Philadelphia 76er? <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Good playoffs for the most part for him. And then, hey. Oh, one final thing. I think they did Elton Brand dirty by not giving him a spot. Yeah. Just because of what Adam Sandler did to an, an Uncut Gems. I think uncut he owed gems. it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Sixers, they cooperated, though. They they used the, the practice facility pretty good and the the wells fargo center so good for i mean good for them it was yeah good. especially since they were the villain for not the whole thing because they kind of redeemed themselves at the end but for a, a good chunk of the middle portion yeah good for them they yeah. would like the, Lean the asshole they, they yeah. had like an asshole owner that's okay they, they, they i'm happy they, they didn't care about that it was good uh okay so were we talking about tobias we were talking about tobias okay. but like look you know it's it's the off season we gotta fill up some time with some some hustle uh because that was honestly one of the things i did this week was watch hustle so next one is danny green gone my question is is there any scenario where they trade him though like are are they able to basically uh, my question is like if you can't get the tobias thing done is there a danny green trade to be because and to be clear and you pointed this out in your article uh, i had mentioned it a little while back you can't trade danny green's if you trade danny green's non-guaranteed contract his outgoing trade value is just the guaranteed amount so you yeah. can't trade like a team can't acquire Danny Green, cut him, and, and get that cap relief. Him. Correct. Yeah, you could guarantee Danny Green's contract for next season, but then the team, the acquiring team, would be taking back a ten million dollar guaranteed contract. So that could still theoretically be possible. You know, if you um, if you have you know, a team that just just wants has the- like a two or three year deal that they want to get off of, uh, they want Danny Green's contract back. It's possible. It's probably not super likely, but if you then attach this first round pick to that, uh, the twenty third pick in this month's draft. Maybe you could find something. Now, doing that would take you out of the running for the full mid-level um, because you would be, assuming you bring back uh, James Harden, you would be right up or past the apron threshold. You're probably not going to be want to be navigating that hard cap. So that's one consideration. Turning zero into about $10 million. Yeah, yep. that's uh, yep. That's one of the problems there. Yeah. So we'll see. I but- think either way, though, it's pretty much guaranteed that he's gone. You know, the only question, and it's a small question because, quite frankly, it's so far away and there's so many things that have to happen. Could they bring him back later? But anyone else in the league could potentially bring him back, too. Who knows? Yeah, that's depressing. Poor Danny. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I think he's a pretty pretty strong gone. Um, you, you know what the funniest part about just, just looking at the Sixers cap sheet? Because I, I did this by descending order of their 21-22 salaries. The fact that Cork is the fifth highest paid player on the team is it's pretty funny. Yeah. Very, and I mean, it goes to show confident. that they don't have any mid-tier salary because he's only making $5 million a year. Yeah. Whatever. But 
Uh, it it's just been that way for a long. Well, when was the last like real legitimate mid tier? I mean, Danny and Seth, I guess. And you use Seth to get to combine into a, a huge contract. And Danny's now leaving because he had the injuries. I'm Those are really of, the only two mid mid tier salaries they've had recently. I'm trying to think of like a mid tier salary Jay that Rich. they even they signed. They had Jay Rich. I'm trying to think like the last one they signed was it Cove? When was the last time they had a yeah Cove Cove, um, which they traded for Jimmy? And that's if you're noticing a trend. These mid tier salaries tend to be useful trade ships, and yeah. they just haven't had very many of them. Um, when was the last time they used a full mid level? Because because they had the room exception before. I, uh, I don't think they've used it. I don't think they've used it. They haven't used it the last couple of years. Well, because yeah. hinky years, they're always in a cap space. And then by the time they got to the point where they were over the cap, they were running up against the apron. Yeah. Well, oh. Mike Scott was a room mid-level. Yes. George and Yang was a... Partial. Taxpayer mid-level. mid-level. Yeah, yeah, partial. I don't... Even then, they're not even using the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, Cork is next. I uh, I don't really have a feel for this one with... A couple years of, I mean, I think he'd be a perfectly fine guy to trade. I'm, I'm kind of sick of the cork experience for the most part. And, <laughs> and look, I mean, if, if there is a Tobias trade to be had, or, or another trade, or a Danny trade, or something like that, maybe it's to a younger team that's that's trying to get, you know, the the asset of the the pick. But maybe you have to attach cork salary to it too. You know, maybe that's the way it works out. Um, I said lean towards stay. But I, I didn't really have a good feel for that one. I would say lean towards go. Mainly because it's a way to clear salary to get apron space and, and use that full mid-level. It's a semi-movable. You know, $5 million is still a really low salary, all things considered. But $5 million would be huge for the Sixers. And on the one hand, you would be losing a rotation player, but you'd be losing a quote-unquote rotation player. No, um, he's not. A, he's not, a, not when you're making 29% from three. And I, I, I kind of like cork but like they have so many players on their roster right now who are wholly dependent on on shooting that any kind of variance and it's just completely unplayable and cork was like that shake i think is a more playable version of cork like when he's not making shots he at least does other things if you're gonna have one young inconsistent shooter in the rotation i would rather have shake over cork maz i i I think he might end up being just a a cap casualty um but it's close to 50 50 yeah yeah it's 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 pretty close george stang i agree he makes like nothing and he's useful in the regular season he's, he he's a useful player it's he, he is a, you, a you minutes eater exactly yeah he's a he's a kyle gibson how about the fills by yeah, the way on no fire shit. all right no shit. and i'm uh, i yeah i'm i'm concerned to get my heart back into it because they have a way of just ripping it out i'm being a little cautious here but they have been uh playing what is it nine in a row yeah, nine in a row. Crazy. Crazy. Man, Joe Girardi, by the way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and look, they're playing a soft schedule right now, some teams that are struggling, but... Uh, their schedule was hard as hell before it. It's well, and even when they had easy ske- or easy series before, it's not like you could count on them. I'm not going to... They haven't beat the Marlins in five years, so yeah. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's been bad. Um, yeah, I think George is staying. I, I think you put it... The right way, though, you, you can't rely on him to play 20 to 25 minutes a game in the playoffs. If if you need him for five minutes a game in the playoffs, just to make a couple shots, 10 minutes a game. And maybe right. he gets on fire and it might be a 20 minute game, but you can't he's, rely on it for it. He's for him to play in the playoffs next year. The goal has to be he's going to have to like earn that. Right. You're not going to just throw him out there because he is clearly 
our fifth or sixth best guy. You just can't have that happen. So, uh, yeah, but he's, he's going to stay. I think, uh, I just think he's a good fit with this roster. He's a good fit with them beating Harden for the most part. So, um, okay. Here's the, here's the tricky one now because they, they have two specialists on the team and they both make, luckily they make the same, they have the salaries match up right there. As you all know, by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season. We'll be using the bet MGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited commercial offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager matisse Stiebel. uh i had leaned towards leaving yeah i would i would lean towards leaning as well or leaving as well and you're right. He's at the bottom of his trade value. Like he has way less trade value now than he would have last year at this time. But you just can't. He can't shoot or dribble or pass or make a layup. That's tough. There's just been so little. And I'd love to say maybe having Harden here for a full year can get him some easy baskets. That shit's going to dry up in the playoffs. You just can't rely on a team falling asleep and him beating them on a backdoor cut to play him any meaningful minutes. And he, I think some people now are kind of retconning his defense a little bit. Is it shut down? No, but I don't think he's a, I, I think he's a very good and very impactful, positive defender. You, uh, every series I watch a team completely abandon him wherever he is on the court. You just can't, it, you're playing a post-up center. It's, no, I can't, I can't. Improve a little bit. Just improve a little bit. Make a shot. Make, you can't, you can't. It's good analysis. And I, I think... <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty far done with complete non-shooters. Yeah. And it's, you know, I feel, I think some of the, some of the coverage I had about Thibault was clouded by Harden when he, when he came here, because, you know, they were finding Thibault on all these very unconventional cuts and they were having him screen for Harden and he was getting all these dunks and it was like, oh man, maybe they found a way to unlock Matisse Thibault. No, they didn't find a way to unlock Matisse Thibault. Really, what that coverage, and I, I look, I'm complicit. I was writing about it, too, at the time. Really, what that was was, well, holy shit. Like, when James Harden is on, he's a really good passer. And the way defenses cover him, man, he gets guys great looks. But you hit on that. Like, in the playoffs, that's going to dry up. And as as creative as the Sixers can be in the regular season, it just, you, you can't be that creative in the playoffs. Like, 
Look at what we're watching right now in the finals. And this is kind of what it drives me a little bit nuts when all I got to hear about is Doc isn't creative enough with his schemes. Watch the finals right now. There's nothing creative about that. Nothing. Nothing. Boston, they turn the ball over a million times because they ISO, punt, mismatch. That's all they can do. They're, you know what? They might win the title because of it. And by the way, Golden State, now that they're playing a real defense that can, that can guard them, guess what they've settled on? Steph Curry pick and roll. That's what they have. They're good at it. So, <laughs> look, Matisse Thybul is is part of that ecosystem, though, too, where it's just it's really hard for Embiid and 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 Harden to play, and it would be, it would be kind of, uh, it would be kind of crazy if his last minutes in the Sixers were go in the game in the second half of Game Six of the Heat. Doc watches three possessions get out because uh, you can't play. But okay, so so here's my thing: Is there a scenario though where you can see them keeping him? Yeah, sure. I mean, he still he still has useful like he he still has nba level skills so if you don't get the right like they're not going to just get rid of him to get rid of him it has to be he has to actually add value to a trade or be something another team wants well if there's no other team that really is going to give up anything and that doesn't necessarily mean a pick directly for him or anything like that but just value him as part of a trade package then yeah i could see them bringing him back to see if something happens and something clicks with the shot sure Sure. And look, as much as I am am down on him, and frankly, like I think they should be really trying to move on from him. If you can get a back end rotation player that you think has a chance to stick in the playoffs for Thibault, you do it. You, you do it in, in one way or another. Even just a future pick that might give you a little bit of flexibility on Ostepian. Anything that can help. Uh, anything that can help you get, you know, get better and get get deeper. This year, I, I think you try, but if that's not available, or if um, you know, the, the, another thing would be, hey, if Tobias, like, we're, we're you're trying to move him, if the team wants Thibel in the trade, they're like, hey, we we value this guy, we think he'd be pretty good. Then yes, attach him to that trade as well. If that uh, if that is not possible though, look, I, I, there does come a point where you say, all right, work on your shot. Like, you're not going to be guaranteed anything uh, come playoff time. Like, you're just you're not going to be guaranteed anything at all, but work on your shot and hope, hope it hits and you know, we'll see what happens. But so that's why I, um, that's why I lean that way, but it's, it's still a, like they should be trying to trade. Yeah. No, look, the goal isn't just to get rid of Matisse. Well, he's not like a big salary where you're going to create a lot of space under the apron. The goal is to find one team who believes that they can fix his shot and make him a competent offensive player who might be willing to give you something of value. Because quite frankly, I have just lost faith in that reality. Uh, I do not believe it's going to happen. And I also don't think that, you know, he's going to get a next contract from the Sixers if he doesn't improve. So I think you should try to get value for him now. But that is different than just get him the freak off the team. Like, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I just think they're going to find one team who might have a tiny bit of confidence that they might be able to help him a little bit. Because quite frankly, teams have a little too much confidence in their own player development staff sometimes. Okay. He does. He does have NBA skills, though. It's. It's. I think that's why he annoys me so much. Tyrese okay. Maxey, do you want to? You want to take a controversial hot take stance on this one? I think if if like October fifteenth or October first, whenever training camp starts, if that's the cutoff, I, I just I have an inkling that he's going to be on the roster. I just could be. Could be. I think a lot of the talk about 
star hunting is overblown in large part because the only way Sixers can go star hunting is by attaching Tyrese Maxey. I do not think they want to attach Ty- Tyrese Maxey unless they're getting a incredible player and I'm like like top like, ten like, like kind top of player. 10. Yeah. In return, I don't think any team is going to give that up. So I don't think this is really even worth like star hunting to me is completely overblown. I don't think we should spend too much time talking about it. Not because I don't think Daryl Morey's interested, but because I don't think they're giving up Tyrese Maxey. And that's the only way. And I do get a lot of questions. I'm sure you do too. About are the Sixers overvaluing this guy a little bit? Like, what is his actual Could upside? Be. What Could is be. his actual upside? And my general thing is like, I think he has a chance to be an All Star for a few years. I definitely think he has that that possibility. So if he's an All Star, a lower end All Star, yeah, that's a top twenty to thirty player in the league. See, to me, the difference between top twenty and top thirty, and I don't know, the fifteenth best player in the league, it's not that crazy. I think it's pretty well. Fifteen, maybe ten. Ten, I would say, is pretty massive. Ten. Once you get into like, like, because that's what I mean. You, you get with Embiid. Like, let's say when you bring Kawhi back, when you bring uh, who's the other injured guy back into the it, when everybody is healthy in the NBA, there's like a a defined top eight or nine now. Yeah, Embiid is in that, and now sometimes he gets ranked towards the lower end of it. I think he's kind of in the middle of it. If if I'm being honest. But I'm just saying, like, to even be in that top eight or nine is yeah. absolutely massive. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe 15 is, is I'd have a little... to actually... So, yeah, so to your point, I think there's a, a steep drop somewhere in that range. To actually pinpoint exactly where it is, is it 10, is it 15? I'd have to think a lot well, more about it. Well, now, J- now Jimmy's definitely... He's in it. I, I don't <laughs> care. I, I, that's fine. He, he might not make the all-star team in the regular season. He's in it until I see a bad playoffs from him. To your point, there is a steep cutoff at some point. I agree with that for sure. And to me... Even though I, I agree, like, it, it, by the way, I don't think Maxi will ever get into that top 10 range just because the defense will never be there. Like, he'll never be able to, and the passing is, yeah, is not going to be at that level, I, too. I think to get into that top 10, that true superstar range, he needs one of those two. And I defense, I don't, like, he's not going to grow a couple inches He's never here. getting there, yeah. Uh, so it has to be that passing. I don't think we've seen enough to say he's going to be a superstar player. So I think people who are expecting him to become that might be overvaluing him a little bit. But I think it's a, to your point, I think it's a pretty good chance he ends up being a top 30-esque borderline all-star player. Yeah. So what's the point is is my general, uh, because he's young, uh, he's, he's also cheap for two years. Like, it's not a, uh, it's not a small point here that you're trying to win the next couple of years. And for him to be making, what is he making, like $2 million a year, $3 million yeah. a year, something yeah. like that. That's, uh, that's not a small thing. It's pretty awesome to have. He's, he's, uh, look, I'm no, uh. I'm no cap guru or whatever, but I think he's outperforming that. Uh, he's outperforming $2 million. That, that salary by yeah. a little bit. So, And not only that, but like if he signs his, his extension uh, after his rookie scale contract, he will hit right before that new national TV deal. He'll probably be underpaid for the first nine years of his NBA career. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a long time of team unless control. He takes that quali- unless he takes that qualify. I mean, look, <laughs> if I... Uh, just as a reminder, his agent's Rich Paul. I think Rich Paul is probably up on the uh, financial incentives here. There yeah. is certainly a case that he should take the qualifying offer if that cap does spike and if they don't smooth it. We're a little bit away from worrying about that. But I do think I would recommend him do it, yeah. But but I do think that point has kind of been crystallized, though, like the top 10 or wherever that, that drop-off is. Because I, I would say, honestly, the person who I would tell him to study, the person who I think is like, I, I don't think he's going to get to his level in his career because it's, it's the high end of it. But I think Damian Lillard is the yeah. guy he should study. And I would say Dame, even at his, the peak of his powers, like two or three years ago, when he was just 
absolutely awesome. I don't think he's in that Joel Embiid top X tier. I think he was like the the next one below it, just because the, the size and it's uh it's a little harder to build a yeah. complete winner around. Uh, and I I do think Dame has a little better, not a little better, pretty significantly better natural passing instincts. Sure. Than Maxie, oh, yeah. so Maxie's going to have to find a way to bridge that gap. But that's the guy who I think you st- should study because you know an, an off the dribble three point shooter who, yeah, not not the, not the purest of point guards, but but definitely, definitely a great player. Yeah. Okay, that's too much on Maxi. He's gonna still. Be- we really did end up spending like talking five minutes about Maxi when we're both at like a ninety nine percent chance he stays. Uh, I like talking about Maxi, man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lot of negativity around this crew now. You know, I like, <laughs> like talking about the kid. It's good. There is, there is. Um, all right, so I don't think we need to spend too much time on Jaden Springer. Just because he makes nothing and he's 20 and blah, blah, blah. Not even 20 yet. Um, and has no trade value. So what's the point? Yeah. Uh, Paul Millsap, DeAndre Jordan. Don't need well, we to spend too much time talking about them because they well, better wait, wait. be fucking gone. Well, we we, uh, we didn't do shake. We did skip shake. I'm just, I'm crossing people off the list right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, there... any reason to believe that outside of Doc being Doc, any reason to believe that Millsap or Jordan will be back? No. Right? No. There's no way. There's no way. So. Uh, Reed and Bassey, not really any point in talking about them either. They're both super cheap. Bassey's not even on a guaranteed contract. I think he's got a partial guarantee uh, for this upcoming season. Reed has shown enough. I think they both stay. Um, but the the question for them, though, is is there another center that's here? Uh, is there an- no, you know, I'd actually be pretty... Uh, I'd be okay with, with uh, Reed being the backup center to start. Oh, I, I think they're... I mean, look, if... I'm pretty okay with Bassey being the third string too. I have a I have decent confidence in him. That's my general point on that is I, I don't think backup center should be a priority. Now the the one <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to say after the last couple of years. No, I, I, I think both with, of those those guys we'll see if they can handle it, but I think they can handle it. And if not, there's a, a, a we say oh, we say this every year, but then they end up with DeAndre Jordan. Um there's there's a lot of qualified backup centers if that well, doesn't work out. Well, and the only other issue that I would, or not issue, the only defense of of Doc going after one of these guys is that from a resource standpoint, it's really, I mean, we saw it with Andre Drummond last year. The only resource they spent on Andre Drummond last year was a roster spot. That's all, that's all it is. It's a minimum contract. There was, there are good backup centers to be had or good. I mean, Drummond was actually pretty good for a backup center, but there are adequate backup centers to be had for the league minimum. There, there just are. So, I, I would be okay with them, um, with them rolling with those two guys, though. And, but like, look, if if you fill out your depth, maybe you trade a, a cork or somebody like that, so there is an extra roster spot to be had. I'm not going to lose my mind over that. I, I'm not. If it's like an Andre Drummond type, if it's a DeAndre Jordan type, then then we got problems. Let's go back to your uh, your your boy Shake. My boy Shake. Um, yeah, no, I I think he's staying. I think they're going to, you know, among their lower money players. I I think he has the best chance of of playing in the rotation. And I, the the main reason why is that Shake's problem is that he is not a shot creator for others. He's not a a point guard. He's not as much of a distributor. He he tends to when he's at his best. He tends to be looking for his own shot. When he plays with Maxi and Harden, that doesn't matter as much. And I think, as you have pointed out, among the Sixers' weaker 
you know, kind of the, the Corks, the Isaiah Joes of the world, all those guys, he has the best chance of sticking defensively um, and not getting absolutely torched in a, uh, in a playoff situation. Yeah. So uh, over the last three years, he has shot 36.5% from three-point range, which on paper looks fine, but it's entirely propped up by the 43% he shot in 2019-20 in the bubble year, the first time he was in a rotation the last two years, he has shot just 33.9% from three, including 32% last year. If he can just shoot to the back of that baseball card, so to speak, and hit that 36, 37%, <laughs> he is 100% an NBA rotation player. He's of the guys, you know, Shake Milton, Matisse Thibel, Isaiah Joe. He's a guy I think has the highest likelihood of being a perfectly fine rotation player. Mm-hmm. He's got to make those shots, though. And it's frustrating because I know he can shoot. I saw him shoot at SMU. I saw him shoot that first year in the NBA. But I still think he has that sh- that capability to shoot in him. He's got to make those shots. And I don't know what has happened here over the last two years. But if he shoots that 36, 37%, he's an NBA rotation player. And of all the players on on, on this bench, that seems like the most likely to overcome. And also he's making peanuts. And I'm willing to give him a pass for last year just because he he had really bad luck. He had bad injury luck. He had bad COVID luck. He had all that stuff. So the year before was, I mean, it was, you know, he remember at the beginning of the, the shortened season where they were playing um, in front of no fans in front of that year. What year was that? That was 2021. Yeah. I would say the first 13, 15 games. We were like, by the way, I'm glad you said the years instead of me, because I cannot do that apparently. No, I just, I just can't say integral. That's all I can't, I can't say, uh, in that integral year, um, he was like the first 13 or 15 games. We were like, man, what a value contract this guy is on this guy. He could be six man of the year. He he had some, you know, he had some 30 point games and I'm then pretty he completely... sure Hollinger ranked him as one of the best value contracts in the league. Yeah. And I think at that point he was, and he completely fell off a cliff. And then he had this season where he was just hurt at all times. Like he just never was able to stop and start. And you've had, you've had like doc saying at the beginning of the year, you know, he was one of our best players in training camp. He was whipping on people. And that was really the only time he was healthy until, you know, the very, very end of the season. So, uh, I'm willing to give him a pass on that, but yeah, he, I think there's a chance because like, look, even if they trade Tobias, we're we're talking about getting into the, you know, the seven, eight guys you can trust now or whatever. He's an important part. He is, of what they have on the roster and of what they do not have to move anything else yep. uh, to do. He has the chance to move into that, uh, that tier. So. If we're, if we start this off by saying they have four guys I trust in the playoffs and shake Milton's kind of like a half. Well, if they have seven guys you trust in the playoffs and then shake Milton is your eight. I'm okay with that. And him making $2 million a year, not really having any trade value and having the capability of making shots and actually being a more complete player then these Sixers, other options on the backup wings. He is the one I would prioritize keeping, yeah. And and he is a minor reason. I think it's more just Harden and Maxi are the main reasons and the fact that you're losing Green and maybe Harris. But Shake is a minor reason in the calculus that I think when they try and find these other depth pieces, skew taller, skew yeah. skew into the, the forward range. Because Definitely. I think this guy, it, the ideal version of this is he's your third guard. Been any strong takes on Isaiah Joe? No. Um, 
I, I, I just don't, just haven't really seen it, unfortunately. I, I still believe in the shot. I say still, like he's played a lot of minutes. He hasn't. I believe he will eventually make shots. What did he shoot this year from three? It was awful, like, wasn't like it? Like 34% or something like that? Oh, was it that? Uh, honestly, that, oh, I would have taken the under on that. Uh, it did it not was, seem like he made a shot all year. Thir- uh, a- 33.3, yeah. Okay. I do remember it being like, when I saw that number, being like, yeah, it felt worth it. Yeah, it did. Uh, in part because he doesn't make a shot inside the arc. I believe in the shot. I like the quickness I, of the shot. I like the range he has. He makes no money. He has no trade value. The only reason I would give up on him is if you really needed that roster spot. But I think if you lose, you know, the two ancient backup bigs, uh, you make some of these trades. I think you shouldn't be on the roster crunch too much. Uh, I would certainly bring him into camp and see and go from there. Like he's not, he's not going to have any trade value, so there's no point in trading him. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I just, when I see his game, I just wonder, like you said, what, what does he do inside of the arc? What does he do? You know, sometimes his defense gets praised. Something I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. He's he can so move his feet. He's just like, you can push him over. Yeah, but he's not, he's not because of, because you can just push him over with a, a stiff breeze. Uh, he, uh, I don't know what value he's really bringing on that end. He's got to be. I mean, like when we compare him to Korkmaz, Korkmaz is so much better at the other stuff than him. He's so much better. So that's that's a problem because Korkmaz isn't even that good at that stuff. No, no. Look, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, uh, and I got caught right. up on the Isaiah Joe preseason last year too, so we'll be a little more guarded oh, I this did year. Too. <laughs> he was, I did too, it was incredible man. in the preseason. I do believe in this shot. It's just the defense is and like you can't make a shot inside the arc either. Like he he's got he's just got to add fifteen pounds, and I don't know if he has a frame to do that. He's got to add 15 pounds and like 15% to his three-point percentage. I'm sorry. That's got to be an elite skill. Uh, And it it just has not been to this point, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, I I agree with you. I think he'll probably, but I think he's probably going to be on the roster with, with, I mean, we're, we're talking about when you say Jordan, uh, Millsap, Danny, and then if they can make the Tobias or Korkmaz or Thibault, like if any of these guys, there's going to be roster spots available towards the back end. Yeah. I would, I would lean towards staying. And getting another year for sure. I, th- I do believe this contract is non-guaranteed. Um, I don't know if there is a guaranteed date in there. There probably is. I think it's I like should... I, I think it's in October at some time. Okay, it might be first game of the season or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I th- I think he will be here. Um, and I look. I hope I hope somebody can give that kid a protein shake and he can uh, he can develop. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right. So I'm sure the great thing about doing this on a podcast rather than a written form is that nobody will remember it and nobody will hold us accountable. It was still a fun exercise to do anyway. Well, nobody's going to hold us accountable anyway. That's I mean, true. we, we, we talk, the only reason we bring it up is when we do okay on them. And, uh, <laughs> but like next year, like if, if I messed all of this up and the, we're not bringing the it up, yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, decide to do the stay or go article. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.